So before we start today's episode, I just want to give a shout out to my wonderful guests for being much, much better than me at consistently pronouncing the name of the game that we're talking about today. If you're a fan of it, you will probably know what I'm talking about. Otherwise, you may not notice a thing. So without further ado, here we go. Welcome to episode four of Screen Looking, a podcast where close friends take a closer look at some of their favorite video games. I'm your host, Andrew Kuhar, and today we have a pretty special episode. Um, Typically, I'll run through some of the topics uh, that we're going to go over, talk about the history of the game we're going to talk about, and use that to help inform our discussion. But today we're going to switch things up a little bit. So uh, not only are we talking about a game that is really different from the ones we've talked in the past, it shares nothing with the past games we've gone over, Uh, it's also a multiplayer game, we've previously only talked about single player ones, Um, so in addition to all that, we have not one, but two special guests joining me to talk about it. So returning from episode one to Ty Hillary for the most guest spots ever is my best friend Alex Koval. Alex, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Uh, looking forward to diving into today's game of choice. Thanks for being back. I uh, really enjoyed yeah. having you the first time. And uh, yeah, and then also joining us is a peer and buddy of mine from art school days back at the Cleveland Institute of Art. And uh, his work was actually kind of what motivated us to do this episode sooner rather than later. We had it on the list, but uh, that person is concept artist and illustrator David Keg. David, how are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So um, maybe before we jump in anything, David, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about why you're here today and what kind of work you do? Uh, Yeah. Uh, As you said, I graduated from Cleveland Institute of Art uh, with a degree in illustration, and I've been doing uh, freelance illustration and concept art for going on nine years now. Um, Got started... uh, doing all kinds of weird uh, one-off jobs in the illustration world and eventually kind of worked my way into the gaming industry and uh, eventually landed a contact with Blizzard. So Mm. um, just been just the last couple uh, Hearthstone packs that I've been able to jump on, specifically the Hearthstone title. And so it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, and uh, that's that's really exciting. And that brings us to our topic. Um, Pretty nice segue there. We are talking about Hearthstone today. This is uh, Blizzard's digital trading card game that's based off of a lot of the lore and characters from World of Warcraft and Warcraft history. And yeah, we saw that uh, you were posting some of your work on Facebook, and just after the announcement of the expansion, I was really, really delighted to see that you got to work on the game and contribute some art to it and the marketing, and figured we should have someone who contributed something to it if we're going to talk about it. So it's really cool that you're on here today. And uh, Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, later on in the episode, we will be uh, talking more directly with Dave about the design of the game, uh, maybe some of the artwork, his process for getting the art into the game, uh, look at the visual style the game has. Uh, but before we get into all of that, um, I'm going to talk a little bit more with Alex about what is Hearthstone and uh, some of the history behind it, um, what it is, how it differentiates from other card games, if you're a card game player out there. So, Alex, do you have any initial thoughts about 
would be a good way to introduce someone to Hearthstone? So the best way I would kind of describe it is if you took like Dungeons and Dragons-esque concepts, fantasy concepts, and mashed them with a collectible card game. Uh, if if anybody is is nerdy out there, or I don't know, at this point, everybody pretty much knows what World of Warcraft is. So it's it's taking the lore from World of Warcraft and making it into a sort of collectible card game that's has a pretty easy learning curve. Um, is certainly fun and addictive and funny and charming, um, but under the surface is a lot deeper than I think it it initially appears to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, testament to its success and that successful formula is that it's, you know, its player base has grown significantly since it launched in 2014. Yeah, I was looking at, I couldn't believe how long ago this game came out. I actually feel like it still feels pretty fresh. And to think that it's been out for over four years is pretty amazing. Definitely doesn't feel like we've been playing it for that long. No, it doesn't. It's crazy. It's Yeah. I think it came out in like March of 2014 and had about 10 million players, I think. And at this point, it's past 70 million, I think. So. Really? Oh, wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, but it. I think when it first came out, so one interesting story that I just happened to come across the other week when we were planning to do this episode was that, do you remember that there was actually a trading card game for World of Warcraft, like a physical one? Yes. Yeah, so that game was out. And I guess uh, some panel or roundtable or something that Blizzard did a while ago, they talked about how they were trying to digitize just that game verbatim and make just a digital counterpart to it. And as they were developing the gameplay and trying to figure out how do we translate this so it makes sense on a screen, even though it's a digital adaptation of a physical game, um, they realized that some of the game mechanics just would be way better if they started changing some of the rules very subtly so that the game just felt better in the digital format on screen. And they got to the point where they kept doing this, where they realized the games weren't one-to-one anymore, and you couldn't really say that a match in this digital version was fair, like a match in the physical one was, if that makes sense. And so they kind of just decided we should just make this a separate thing and divorce it from having to adhere to the rules of the card game. And they basically, that was pretty much what made them cancel the trading card game. And they just decided to go all in on Hearthstone. I didn't. I didn't realize that. I remember vaguely that there was a card game, but um, yeah, they started basically doing R and D on on what was going to be Hearthstone, and just went all in on it. So, yeah. So that's a little factoid there. Yeah, I don't remember the card. Ga- I never played the card game before, but I do remember buying a few of those packs because I really wanted to get that rooster mount. <laughs> what? I think, was it a rooster or like a tiger? No, there was like a spectral tiger or something. Some crazy World really? of Warcraft mountain you could get, yeah. From the I think there physical, was a rooster, actually. Now from the physical card game. Yeah, yeah. You would get a card and you type in the code on um, World of Warcraft and you get like this weird chicken. It's pretty sweet. That's oh, awesome. man. I totally Never forgot it, but... I mean, that, that that's good that you bring that up because I was thinking a little bit about how this game ties in with World of Warcraft. Um, I mean, so much as you can see characters now playing a weird version of Hearthstone, like a they're like pretend playing Hearthstone in taverns in the game if you run around the game's world. Um, but also that I remember when we got into this game, they were saying if you log into this free game we made and play a few rounds, you get, like you were saying, a free mount. They were kind of doing the same advertising technique to get people in. 
And that's like, I, I mean, that's what got me. And I think that's what got a lot of people in just to try it for free. Cause they were also advertising their battle.net app had just come out and they were just trying to get people to like sign up for a bunch of stuff. So it's like, come in this game and we'll give you a bunch of free rewards in our other game. And that's now all these blizzard games, they all kind of talk to each other and, um, there's a lot of like cross pollination going on. So it's, it's definitely really deeply embedded into world of Warcraft's history and in, in that game itself. But just like all the other Blizzard games, I feel like there's something really specific about the feeling of a Blizzard game, about the look and feel of a Blizzard game. They they tend to take a genre that is an acquired taste and make it more palatable. There's always been this uh, phrase around a Blizzard game that they are easy to learn but difficult to master. Um, and they've done this with a number of genres, with strategy games, MMOs, which is what World of Warcraft is. Um, I'm wondering if, yeah, Alex, how do you feel about, cause you know, we used to play card games like magic, the gathering all the time in grade school and stuff. And I feel like you and a couple of our other friends got a little bit deeper into that than I ever did. And I'm wondering how you feel like blizzard is sort of taking the card game model and, and, and adapting it, uh, in their own little way. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that they definitely nailed like the collecting aspect of it. Um, you know, even though there's really less cards to collect overall and maybe in some ways they're well not would say easier to collect but um you know they really made like busting open packs like you know a fun and exciting experience um you know i think that uh in terms of like you know what what makes card games appealing is um you know there's like this element of chance uh that makes games play out differently um often but there's still like you know, a level of skill to them so that you have, you know, some element of control. And, you know, I think Hearthstone, we can get into this a bit later. I think Hearthstone leans a little too heavily on the chance side of that. But, uh, you know, like I said, we could discuss that in a little bit. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that another thing that they, you know, kind of took from Magic and a lot of other collectible card games is, you know, the idea of expansions. And, you know, there's the standard format and the wild format. And, um, you know, cards, the idea is that only certain only the six uh, last sets that were released, uh, you know, are are playable in the standard format. And then when a new set comes out, uh, you know, let's say you're six set, six sets deep, and the seventh set comes out, the first three sets rotate out, and then that new standard block becomes four sets until it gets back up to six again. And then when the seventh set comes out, the last three exit. Um, you know, they have that same model, and it seems to be working pretty well for them. But yeah, I think that like, you know, where Hearthstone kind of succeeds, you know, in the digital realm is that it adds a nice graphical layer to the to the gameplay that makes it feel a lot more dynamic and exciting and fun. Um, just these flashy graphics kind of popping up and, re- and, you know, reacting to your to your plays. And, you know, the computer can kind of do the heavy lifting on the calculations so that, you know, you can kind of focus more on what you're going to do in terms of... Uh, minion placement or minion trades or spell spell casting and i think the other thing that really you know lends itself kind of gives it like a plus one on the digital front is that you know it is harder to cheat in in the game i don't Mm -hmm. think you can cheat really um because you know again the the game is the programming kind of deals with a lot of that so you don't have to like you know worry about somebody slipping a card on you know into their deck or something that's illegal Mm -hmm. or doing some sleight of hand trick yeah we always used to do things i feel because people couldn't afford certain cards in other card games so they have what they call proxy 
It wasn't where we would just write. <laughs> yeah. We'd like take a card that we didn't like and just put a piece of paper over the front and write uh, the information and just say, yeah, I have this card now. Yeah, you just take like a ripped up piece of notebook paper and tape it to the front of one of your like crap cards and say, this is spirit monger now. Yep. Deal with it. Because mm-hmm. I don't have 20 bucks to, I haven't saved up 20 bucks of my lunch money to like go out and buy this yeah. card. Yeah, no, I think those are all great points. I think that there's just also just the physical volume that investing in a card game comes with. I mean, how many, you know, rows or like bins of containers would you end up having by the time you have so many physical cards, you have to carry them around with you all the time with this game that can kind of just persistently have this saved online somewhere with your account and you log in and all of your cards are there. And yeah, um, yeah so that's just a really great benefit, but also like, yeah, all the vi- visual flares and uh, special effects they add to make it feel more dramatic when you're playing a card game and there's always this like little silent just tap on the table you just drop a card but everyone knows when you drop certain cards in card games if you're familiar with the card there's a certain i don't know flair to it with which people might put it down or you kind of have the feeling of oh i'm screwed now there's no way i'm gonna get out of this and the game really sells that and plays that up in a way that you can't in a physical game unless you're an actor and acting it out or something like that (laughs) um but yeah it gets back to that like blizzard polish i'm Dave, I was I was thinking, are you, uh, how much history do you have with Blizzard games aside from working on one now? I mean, I kind of grew up landing Diablo, the Diablo games, and uh, World of Warcraft, you know, in high mm-hmm. school and college, you know, with my buddies. So um, definitely played my fair share of those games. Um, but in recent years, I've I've dipped away from Blizzard and kind of um, broadened my horizons a little bit with gaming. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, definitely have very fond memories of of those games growing up. Yeah. As a, especially as an artist, what do you, what stands out to you when you're playing a blizzard game that you know, differentiates it from a, from another game? I mean, I think they have a pretty excellent re- reputation for just the polish and like, obviously their different franchises have their signature style and, and sort of design aesthetic, but it's sort of this uncompromising just level of finish and level of polish. I think that kind of goes into everything that, Blizzard designs, I feel like. But yeah, just you kind of know not only the the genre of what you're playing, but immediately the the IP that you're playing as soon as you, you know, jump into a, a Blizzard game. I think it's sort of a uh, a calling card and why they're, you know, obviously one of the top game producers in the in the business. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they definitely have uh, some premium presentation going on, especially with like cinematics and Oh, yeah. character design they, they make a lot of iconic characters now all, all over i mean her uh what's it not her son uh we're talking about but overwatch is is a huge oh absolutely huge example of that too. yeah um but i think they're also kind of like user experience uh masters in a way in the way that they're able to take a really complicated game and reduce the amount of steps that it takes to get into it and, oh yeah and, absolutely. Uh, and just have really visual interface items that really draw attention to themselves or like when you get a new car, like Alex was saying, or you get a new pack or you level up, it has this real impact to it. And it's very clear what's going on visually. Even if you don't read the text, it feels like the emotional moment is very uh, well communicated. Oh, um, yeah. the I was able to uh, to catch a panel um, with some of the designers and concept artists and um, project artists uh, all kind of talking about their different roles and just hearing the effects artists talk about 
how she designs and, and kind of goes, takes from concept to finished product, the unpacking, the unpackaging of the new decks and the new cards and mm. like how each of those sets has their own concept and their own feel and their own vibe and how she is the one who kind of creates all those things. So all those things are polished. All those things are cared for. It's that level of uh, precision and like dedication to the craft. I think that really like sets it apart and makes those, those moments impactful and allows, I think new players, people who aren't even familiar with World of Warcraft to very quickly pick up on the world and the, the IP, the history. I think that's it's a huge part of it because a lot of these gamers, especially with, with Hearthstone specifically, a lot of them are more casual. They like the trading card games, but they really weren't into uh, Warcraft or World of Warcraft. So they don't really know the lore, the history, or the universe. But because they, I feel like the team takes such care uh, crafting every aspect of the game, it feels like you're sitting in that world. It, 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 every little element speaks to the lore of the world, and I feel like mm-hmm. that really makes makes it that much more appealing. I think that's why it has such the the large fan base that it does. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, also, it doesn't hurt that this game is technically free to play. Um, exactly. I've I've been yeah. kind of more of one of the free to play players. I've invested in um, some packs before or expansions that have come out, but they've really done a nice job of allowing you to get away with a lot of, you can really access a lot of the new material, even if you don't have a huge budget for, for video games. Yeah. So um, that that's awesome. And usually card games are really expensive to get into, as Alex and I have found um, mm-hmm. over the years. But I was thinking we could get into a little more um, before we go further about, and I think this ties in somewhat with the interface and, and the visuals of the game and, and what you can expect when you play it. But uh, Alex, I'm kind of leaning on you a little bit maybe to help me run through some of maybe like the, like a basic game, like a, like the rules of, of Hearthstone, like if we were to go back to classic and just like the fundamental things you kind of have to be aware of when you're playing it. And also just, I guess, how as a digital game, you there's like less, like a, like you were saying, there's less fatigue put on your brain because you have to think about less things. You can just kind of get into the fantasy more. Yeah, so like, you know, okay, so you play as like uh, one of nine classes and each class has its own unique cards and what's called a hero power, which you can use once per turn. Uh, and... Some of them are a little bit more powerful than others, but uh, basically each player starts off with uh, a resource called mana, and you start with one on your first turn, on your second turn you get two, on your third turn you get three, so on and so forth until the tenth turn where you get you max out at ten, and from every turn thereafter you get ten mana to use in whatever way that you deem fit. Um, each player has 30 health and a 30 card deck. It's a nice rounded number Blizzard chose. And uh, basically, Hearthstone really revolves around minion combat. It's really heavily dependent on minion combat. So you use your mana primarily to summon these creatures that can either attack the player, the uh, opposing character, or can attack the opposing character's creatures. It's a little different than you know something like Magic, where the person who's getting attacked can de- declare blockers. This is the person who's attacking actually chooses what to attack, which actually makes a really big difference in the way that games play out. So the game ends up being very tempo-based, which to people who aren't as familiar with uh, card games like Magic or Hearthstone, primarily what that means is that every turn you want to be utilizing your mana in a very efficient way. So ideally, 
and this isn't always the case, but primarily you see a lot of decks wanting to cast something on for one mana on turn one and casting things that equal you know two mana on turn two and three mana on turn three. So you're getting you're basically spent you're giving at the beginning of your turn you're basically being given uh, a certain allotment of a resource, and the idea is that you want to spend that before your turn's over, you know, to either summon minions or to cast spells. Um, that can either buff your own minions or damage your opponent's minions or your opponent directly. And so you basically play until one of the minion or one of the characters reaches zero health, and that's what determines the winner. There's a little bit more to it than that, but that's like my general overview of Hearthstone's game. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. That 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 sets us up nicely, tying a little into um, back in the world of Warcraft as well with with the different classes. There's sort of this they've woven the fantasy element into this game as well, where there's different kinds of mages and different kinds of rogues and hunters and you can there's not necessarily you know specializations or uh, trees of, of skills like they had in those games that are very clearly defined you know what pillar of this class's specialization you fall into but you can customize your deck and by doing that you can sort of skew your your strategy style maybe you're an aggressive hunter or you're a defensive warrior or a frost mage and you control troll the board a lot and, and and try to you know fatigue the opponent um, there's even decks where you can force an opponent to really burn through their deck so by the time that their deck is out when you run out of cards you start taking damage if you don't draw a card every turn you just take accelerating damage so there's decks that even play on that there's decks that are about stealing cards from the other opponent which you and i have been getting into a lot uh, are there any any archetypes of decks that have really spoken to you over the course of playing the game, or what do you what are you playing right now that feels good? Um, so traditionally, when I played Magic, I was always a big proponent of control decks, um, which you know I don't know. I just like to re- I liked being more reactive to my opponent's actions, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and sort of trying to strategize how I could extend my uh, resources to sort of oil any uh, any sort of action on my opponent's part is kind of a fun little chess match but um i would say in this that control doesn't really i mean there are control styled decks but i wouldn't say the level of control kind of expands to like where it is in magic of course Mm. but uh i do i do like decks like you know i have traditionally played some control decks like i like to control warrior you know in the current meta there's a really cool version of it that utilizes baku and uh, basically like you know tank it 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 makes your hero power twice as effective so you gain four armor each turn as opposed to two um but it basically utilizes like tech cards like mind control tech and gluttonous ooze you know at least star seeker to sort of you know extend the fatigue game out a bit and give you more resources to sort of control the control the board but um i really have enjoyed that deck that uses also dr boom mad genius which is a great card and Definitely really fun to play. You know, if the game goes long term, you get a lot of value out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, really enjoying like the mech synergies with that with that deck. You know, Omega Assembly and there's some really there's some really fun stuff there. So I would recommend it. I think it's it's a odd warrior deck. It's it's kind of out there. If you do like a Google search, you can find uh, some some nice builds. But yeah, I highly recommend that one. I also have traditionally just enjoyed playing Rogue a lot. I know Same. like everybody kind of looks back to the days of like the sort of Miracle Rogue. You know, and, and with sort of like negative opinions, you know, when you can shadow step Leroy in two turn or twice in one turn and, you know, take somebody down from 30 health to zero in one turn. And yeah. that was kind of deemed unfair. <laughs> but yeah, I, I used to play a deck in, uh, I used to play a Miracle Grow deck in 
in magic, which kind of revolved around this. Um, let me see. I got to do a quick Google search here. Yeah, <laughs> clear dryad. It. Yeah. So yeah. the idea, the card in, in magic, it's whenever you play a spell that's not green, uh, it gets plus one plus one. And so that was translated into Hearthstone um, with questing adventure. So you'd get this creature uh-huh. who, whenever you play a spell, it gets plus one plus one. So you're just pl- trying to play as many spells in a turn as you can. So it just gets bigger and bigger. Then you wow. attack the opponent and kill it. But uh, yeah, pretty pretty fun deck to play back in the day until they nerfed nerfed it a bit. But um, I would say the only other deck that right now that I'm really kind of loving is uh, this like Death Rattle Hunter that's kind of taking a backseat right now. But I just really enjoy the Death the Hunter Death Knight uh, Rexar. He's uh, pretty fun. Like he's he's got this really cool hero power. Most people either know what this hero power is or have no idea. But his hero power basically changes into create a beast um, and you're given three beasts to choose from twice. So you cho- you're given three beasts and it says like pick one, you pick one, and then you're given another three and you pick one. And then it basically mixes them together and you get both of the powers that from the two different yeah. beasts that are like combined together. Yeah. It's like a Frankenstein monster yeah, it's you cool, make. Like zombiest thing. Yeah. And uh, that's really, really fun because it allows you to be like really like you're just constantly problem solving and trying to predict. And like, there's also this element of gambling to it, but you're just like mashing these things together and hope they kind of turn the tide of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also just like an incredibly powerful card. I mean, in some matchups, like some control matchups, it's, it's it can literally win you the game. It's just, you get so much value from it mm-hmm. over the course of a long match. But yeah, I'm really enjoying that deck too. So yeah. that sounds awesome. I have, I'm actually wondering, Dave, what you mentioned, you played uh wow. What kind of class did you play in that game? Uh, rogue was was my my point point man. Nice. Um, I also played a little bit of hunter and wizard. Nice. But definitely rogue was my rogue was the most fun for me. What kind of uh, spec did you rely on? I'm trying to think of like what kind of deck oh, yeah. you would have been playing if it was Hearthstone. I remember doing a lot of uh, like poison work with my rogue. Unless I'm com- confusing my games here. No, they definitely but, had a, po- a poison focus tree for sure. And I don't know how effective it was, but for whatever reason, that's kind of the direction I, I took him. Yeah, you'd be at home in Hearthstone if you checked it out. I was going to say, if there's any equivalent in Hearthstone. Definitely. I mean, there's a ton of cards that actually are, are different types of poisons. Rogues are allowed. Their hero power lets them equip a very small dagger at any point so that the rogue can kind of attack whatever it wants. It's very weak to start, but it's it's pretty efficient. But then if you get different poisons, you can throw the poisons on your weapon. So then your weapon <laughs> can cool. either like steal life or do a lot more damage. Um, and you can also like throw your weapon eventually at everything on the board and destroy it. So there's some decks, like I used to have one where I'd really build up my weapons really high. Mm-hmm. And that's there's a lot of liability with that because there's cards in the game that can instantly destroy your weapon. But if the opponent doesn't have that foil, then you basically have this monster weapon in your hand and if they can't get rid of it and you use it very efficiently you can just wreck their day so there's a lot of uh cool uh, cool decks that revolve around that stuff that's super cool that's yeah. awesome yeah i think we can just jump into uh, the new expansion and, and a big reason that we're here talking today is about the uh latest addition to hearthstone is the boomsday project um we've been talking a bit about the themes that that this game takes on to help style everything from game boards to the packs of cards you open and um like you were saying alex with how they take uh, different sets and rotate them out to help balance the game so that 
the game isn't forcing players to play with all the cards all the time. There's a more focused collection of cards that are, are going through and, and used in a more competitive sense. Um, they introduce these years. So there's, instead of, you know, year of a certain type of animal, they have a year of all these different mythological animals, like the year of the Kraken. Uh, they had year of the Mammoth last year, and this year we're in the year of the Raven. And this year, I, I've tried to find if there was kind of a theme between each year, and it seems like this one has the most cohesive one, which is just a lot of experimentation. The last expansion that came out this year was Witchwood, which was like a haunted expansion where there was they pitched it as more of a spooky expansion where there's a lot of different uh, monstrous creatures and shape-shifting going on, and they... Introduced a lot of mechanics in that one that were pretty divisive. Um, in the end, how did you how did you feel about that one, Alex? Uh, I was really really not a fan. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, it it made me quit the game for a couple months. <laughs> yeah, um, it's unfortunate because I really was looking forward to it. Like the theme was just right up my alley. I was all about it. But um, I know that I mentioned like Odd Warrior earlier, but on the whole, I really don't like what they did with the odd and even stuff. Maybe it just is the fact that I've fought way too many odd uh, odd and even paladins and rogues and warlocks. But, you know, there's been pretty good criticism out there about how uh, some of the advanced hero powers can really affect the gameplay, especially when you get it from the very beginning of the game. Um, you know, it just it makes two drops kind of irrelevant because when you can pay two mana to do something... Uh, two dog, two dog minions, I should say. When you can spend two mana to do, to do something pretty powerful, and you're not wasting any cards, you would most of the time be doing that during your turn. So you know, if I could dagger up and kill your two drop minion, but I don't have to waste a card, why would you include? You know what I mean? It's just like, right, yeah, it, yeah. I don't know how well that was thought out. Um, yeah, it seemed but, like it seems like that was, you know, the whole if your whole deck is all odd cards, if your whole deck is all even cards. I feel like when you and I first saw that, maybe a lot of other people in the community saw it, it felt like there's no way these decks are going to be that good, right? Because that's a pretty huge sacrifice to make to tailor your entire deck and your entire strategy over one card, and it right. just turns out that it was a risk they took and it basically skewed the whole meta game that was going on within the community and everyone kind of rushed to make decks one way or the other and if you ran into a certain type of deck where there was these like little venn diagrams where if you were this class and you played this kind of deck it was so hard to even compete with it if you had anything that was other than a direct foil to it mm -hmm. um and yeah no i i totally agree with that yeah and uh, i was really looking forward to that expansion too but um yeah that th there's a lot of risks like that that i felt became frustrating and kind of speaks to how with with an evolving game that has very set initial rules. When you add a lot of big new rules, it can really upset the balance that a game has achieved. But with the the new the newest one, Boomsday Project, that we're gonna focus on more, it seems like they've kind of course corrected quite a bit already. Things seem pretty stable right now. And um, I wonder if we could just talk a little bit about how they're changing things up a little bit. Maybe uh, like you were mentioning earlier, maybe they didn't shake things up too too much, and it's more of an improvement on what was already working. Yeah, I, it's weird to say that Witchwood, I would say the meta, you know, when Witchwood just came out was probably my least favorite meta. Um, and then say that with Boomsday, this is probably my favorite meta that mm -hmm. I would say has ever been, as far as I can remember anyways. But I think that is partly due to 
like a course correction on Blizzard's part where certain classes were given better defensive tools to defend against decks that were sort of dominant, like, you know, Odd Rogue or uh, Odd Paladin, where you just have these these sw- minion swarms or decks that just move so fast that you can't really defend against them. Um, you know, I think a huge reason Giggling Adventure exists is to fight that, you know, that problem. And Warrior certainly was given some nice defensive tools um, as well. And Mage as well with, you know, if you're familiar with the game, Astromancer and uh, Meteorologist, which helps kind of curb, give you, the former gives you a way to create pressure on the board so you're not just reacting to Mm. everything that your opponent's doing because you know if it's an odd paladin and all you're doing is reacting eventually you're going to run out of aoe's and he's going to just tap his hero power every turn and eventually overwhelm you so um, that allows you to get a threat on the board and without you know much of much loss of anything and then um, you know meteorologist lets you benefit from holding cards in your hand and gives you a minion on top of a nice little aoe uh, burst so yeah, I think that right now, even though there are decks that are prevalent, that were prevalent prior to Boomsday, like Odd and Oddbrogue and Odd Paladin, and you know versions of versions of Warlock as well, Zoo, Heal Zoo, and stuff like that. I think that they did provide an additional additional tools to you know sort of mid rangey and control decks to fight those sort of things, and it's created a very balanced meta. Um, mm. You know, even though it hasn't totally shifted the decks that that were there previously. Yeah. Yeah. I was really surprised by it in a much different way. I, I wasn't sure if it was going to feel like a uh, thematically to like a repeat of the goblins versus gnomes expansion. It's a lot of mechanical experimentation. It's, it's much more of a sciencey uh, science angle, like more, like I think the metaphor I was using was a, uh, if the previous one goblins versus gnomes is an engineering expansion, this is more of a chemistry one. Um, and I was a little afraid that it would feel a little samey and it feels a lot different. And it, even though for a a theme that is all about experimentation and risks and projects and like, um, trial runs, it feels very, very in control and balanced. Um, even so much as like they use, I feel like Hearthstone, one of the successful parts of it is how they like use every part, every expansion, they find a new way to use some part of the board or the, like the physical game. Um, whether there's a card that refers to how many cards are in your deck or how many cards of a certain type are in your deck. Or in, uh, in this one, they have like, um, with the, the biggest addition was the mag- magnetic uh, mechanic where they'll have mechs that are magnetic. And if you put a certain type of card, like a robot, and then there's a magnetic mech and you put it just to the left of that card, you'll see all this electricity surging between the two minions on the board. And you can combine them like Voltron and they'll combine statistics. So you can like build this giant mech over the course of the game, um, which is a really cool feature, but also just shows how the game is listening to itself physically. Uh, what side of your hand is the card coming into and what part of your deck are you in right now? So it's it's interesting how each expansion, they, you know, they add these really kind of quirky mechanics, but they actually end up balancing the game out just because the cards are really, really good. Um, how do you feel about the magnetic mechanic they've added i think it's really really cool to be honest um you know it does make mechs feel more like their own tribe um you know because before they just kind of had like if you have a mech then this mech does this other thing but Mm. like you know they were it was only ever like 
weird sort of buffs or like reducing the costs of each other. There was nothing like that unified the tribe under one banner. Um, you know, like with, with dragons, the synergy is like, if you're holding a dragon, this card does whatever, you know, with Murlocs, it's like, as you play the Murloc, it buffs the other Murlocs on board. Um, you know, but like mechs never really had like a unifying thing that really, you know, only they could do and it was unique to them and made like logical sense. So I think it's kind of cool thematically, but then I also think it's an interesting uh, ability too, because, you know, if you have a mech on board and you place a magnetic mech next to the mech that's on the board already to the left of it, it will join with that, become one mech, and it will, and the two mechs will kind of com combine stats and buffs. And then if you place it to the right of that mech instead, it just becomes its own minion on the board and it's not magnetized. Um, so again, logically, it makes sense. You, you know, you place it on one side of the polarity and they connect if the other side they don't. But the thing that's, you know, powerful about that is that instead of a, instead of having to draw, if you draw a buff card from your deck, say like a, a card that allows you to give a minion plus four plus four, like Blessing of Kings, and you cast that on a minion, you need a minion on the board to, to cast that on. But if you draw a magnetic mech and there's, you don't have a mech on the board, you right. know, you can still play it as a creature on the board, which is, you know, pretty powerful. It's very flexible, certainly. And the mech mana cost doesn't really seem to too heavily be impacted by that magnetic mechanic. So like mm. you get a lot of like pretty valuable mechs that are also flexible, which is cool. Yeah. There's sometimes there's that pressure in the game where you see max value in a card. Like maybe you read the the text on a card and it sounds like this card is sounds pretty bad, but really good in this one specific case. So it almost is like not worth playing some cards unless you get, you meet all the criteria to really play it for max value. And I, I really like the mechs as well because it really does feel like, and same thing with the Omega cards, where if you have 10 mana, you can get uh, bonus effects out of playing that card at like your one of your last turns. But if you still play these cards earlier in the game, you're, you're not really selling yourself too short. You're still getting some impact out of it, and you can still make some decisive moves in the, in the match. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a really big fan of these as well. They also added um, one of my favorite things by surprise was sort of the cloning and replication mechanics that they're playing into they've already had this in the game but they're they're really emphasizing it in this one with all the science stuff um there's a one one of my favorite cards is the lab recruiter for rogue um have you been using this card at all i have not yet used it um it's uh yeah, it's only two mana uh it's is got pretty good stats three two but when you put it in it uh it has an immediate effect where you can pick another minion on your board and it makes three copies of it and shuffles them into your deck. And I didn't pay that much attention to it when they were revealing the cards, but I've uh, I've used it just because I got it right away, and it's incredibly powerful if you have cards that... You know, some cards, they only let you have two cards uh, of any kind in a deck for a reason, because if you could have, you know, 10 of the same card, your deck would be really overpowered really quickly. And this is like a way to sneak that in, where if you have two lab recruiters, you could replicate your own lab recruiters and then make a ton of copies of a card you should never have the ability to make that many <laughs> copies of um especially if like you're stealing other decks cards or other players cards and then you're making copies of cards that they didn't think you should ever have copies of the game gets to this kind of wacky place where it's sort of random but really fun and you get to kind of like play mind games with the other player so i've been a big fan of that that mechanic right now is there anything else about the expansion you feel like you wanted to touch on 
Um, not really. I think it's just done. It's added some stuff to bring to bring stronger to make certain uh, decks archetypes a little bit stronger, like um, like you know, Death Rattle Rogue, for example. Mm-hmm. Like they got Necrium Vile and Necrium Blade, which gave Rogue like an alternative style of play, really, because you know there weren't. They had, you know, obviously Odd Rogue. There was Kingsbane Rogue a little while ago, but Death Rattle hasn't really been a thing in Rogue prevalently since, you know, probably, what was it, Unearthed Raptor? Yeah, that was kind of a cool deck that people were experimenting with that I thought was kind of fun. Although I'm, I'm, I'm playing uh, Academic Espionage Rogue, which has got to be one of my favorite decks ever. It's just the chaos that ensues is so ridiculous. Academic Espionage, for those of you who aren't familiar, allows you to shuffle... 10 cards from your opponent's class into your deck, but they just cost one mana, so they're very, very reduced price. And so basically you do that, and then you try to draw those cheap cards and play them to get a very intense tempo advantage that can swing the game really quickly. And I've just, I have experienced, and I've also seen people play with that deck, and it just, like, hilarity ensues. But, yeah, overall, I'm just having a really fun time with this. Yeah, I, I love that card as well. It's That's the thing, is I feel like, I feel like with Academic Espionage, that's one of those cards that with every expansion, there's always that element of surprise where you see a new card you've never seen before or maybe you didn't read up about going into the expansion and you don't recognize the art and you don't recognize the mechanic, but it does something really crazy. And then you have to sort of stop. And uh, I th- I can't tell when they added this effect, but if you hover over the graveyard or like the, the past cards that were played, which was like the last seven cards... They now like turn the music down in the game, the tavern music, and they make the whole screen black and white so that you can kind of focus on what just happened. And I, I really love that part of the game where you can sort of still take a break like while your opponent's still taking their turn and try to understand what they just did and you can sort of self-educate. I can't I feel like they had didn't have that in the game the whole time and they patched that in. Um, but I just really love that visual effect and I feel like I always use it whenever a new expansion comes out. Um, yeah definitely helpful yeah yeah i was gonna ask dave what cards did you what art did you which cards did you do the art for so i've only at least what have been uh released so far that i can talk about um are i've only done work for the boomsday um so i started on uh witchwood doing the animatic trailers um but for, for Boomsday, I did uh, Crystal Arms and Star Aligner. Yeah. yeah. So those are the two I did for, for oh, that particular yeah. set, yeah. Did you say Crystal Arms? Crystal Arms. I'm not sure if they changed the name. I think any. they did. I was, I was just looking. I was, uh, I, it's fun because you can go into Hearthstone. In the, it, one of the other things about it being cool, like being digital, is you can search through the whole collection. I couldn't search by your name, but I was able to find... If you look at the cards, it says who drew the card art, and they changed it to Crystallizer. Although Crystallizer. the art, okay, cool. the art is a person with crystal arms. Yeah. So they must have so changed. A, it. Yeah, it's a blood elf, and she kind of has like sort of I don't know, scientific lab coat uh, garb on, and then mm-hmm. yeah, her her arms are sort of turning into these bright orange. Glowing oh crystals. yeah, yeah. And then the other one was a a, a dark elf. Uh, yeah, kind of aligning this whole grid of stars and and this whole digital mm-hmm. sort of um, uh, planetary kind of alignment. It's oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen both. Okay, so Crystallizer 
a lot of people were experimenting with that card early on. Um, I think Warlocks were because they like they were using it in this deck called Heal Zoo because Crystallizer deals damage to you and then you gain armor. And the idea was like Warlocks want to take that damage because they, then they heal themselves and by healing themselves they're able to play free spells mm. um, or not free spells, free minions. Um, and so it was like it was like productive for them to do that because the minion star crystallizer is like a pretty decent turn one minion and it's a way for them to like generate additional tempo going forward in the match um i don't know if it ever gained like a ton of traction but it was cool to see like people you know kind of experimenting with it and stuff and star aligner i've seen i've seen some like oh yeah i've seen some pretty crazy combo decks with this (laughs) where like i forget exactly what it did but it did something where like it summoned a bunch of these somehow at the end of the turn and then they just all went off at the same time and just like totally nuked the opponent's board and like <laughs> it was like a one turn kill deck it was really it was really really funny that's awesome yeah it's like a combo card but yeah. these look awesome thanks yeah, yeah I... it's really interesting to see cuz you you kind of i mean you get a general description and and you get the type of card that is so minion or whatever and so, but you really don't know too much beyond that of like the stats and a lot of times because they're, uh, they're still working a lot of that out. Mm. And so you don't really get any of that information. So it's, it's really cool to like kind of hear what those become and kind of the, the abilities and, you know, buffs, debuffs, powers that they get. It's really cool. Did you, were you involved at all with the shiny version or the gold version as well? Like animating that? I was not, no. I was going to say, this looks, the gold version is like really pretty looking if i um, if i got one of those in a pack i would i would definitely not disenchant that that would be i put that probably in every deck (laughs) (laughs) i actually i got this card i i didn't even remember about the uh the artist note in the game um until you know we thought about doing this and uh i had already started playing the expansion and this was starliner was like in my first pack and I remember throwing it in a druid deck right away because I figured well, they have really big giant creatures that cost a lot of mana. I'll probably trigger this effect. I, I didn't get to that point, um, but it was fun. I was already playing it, and then I went to go look, and I wondered, gee, I wonder if any of the cards that I got were ones that Dave did. And the first <laughs> one I looked at said David Keg. I just thought, oh, man, that's so that's cool. Sweet. It's really cool to see someone you know's name in a Blizzard game. Uh, how does that feel? Um, yeah, it's pretty surreal. Um, it's, I mean, as I was kind of saying earlier, just the level of, um, polish and just finesse that, that Blizzard kind of puts on everything. So to be, uh, to be a little part of that is, is really kind of an honor and just, it's pretty surreal to just, yeah. Um, even just playing, seeing like playthroughs or introductions of cards and, and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's a pretty good feeling. So I really, I enjoy working on the, the cards and I like I said I work on uh, some of the cards as well as the trailers that they release so that's always a treat to kind of see the finished product once they put together the, the trailers for each expansion um, and kind of see that come to life yeah the Witchwood one was definitely the best one I think <laughs> I don't, I don't, seriously like not even joking like it was it gave me chills it was so good awesome man yeah uh, that, was, that was like the first one I worked on and uh, after you know everything was turned in Rachel Richmond, who's one of the producers there, uh, let me know that the game team lead was like, oh, this is the best trailer we've ever done. Like, <laughs> I was just so stoked for it. So that's gotta that, be was a, that was a nice one. thing to hear, especially when I was like, you know, first job kind of thing. And, you know, 
trying to make a good impression. Want to, you know, run with the big dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah that- definitely nailed the art too. Like just looking at Crystal Eiser and I feel like it's very indicative of Blizzard's art style. So thank you. Yeah, Blizzard, if you're listening, give this man, <laughs> give this man more work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so cool. I mean, congratulations to you, Dave. That's that's a huge achievement. I mean, all thank of us here you. have thank been you. lifelong Blizzard fans, so to see to see something in the game and to see, you know, especially with the art when I feel like as cards uh, enter the meta, like we're talking about, and they become sort of interactively iconic. When you play a card, like we were saying, there's like a feeling of, uh oh, I better gear up or I better get ready to react to this. And I think a big part of that is the animation and the art and associating (laughs) that in your mind. So it'll be interesting to see over time if people start to um, fear these cards and and know (laughs) know them by their their little sound effects that they make when they enter the board and stuff but yeah you were mentioning the uh, i'm glad you mentioned the gold cards alex because um i was wondering like what if you could talk a little more about maybe even like specifically the like the art process for for drawing these you know, even from like when you get uh you know like your assignment to like the, the few notes you get to you know actually crafting these because it seems like the game I don't know, like on the technical side, the, those trailers have this weird style uh, of they feel very, there's a lot of like subtle motion, but they're, they feel like paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the cards and especially the animated cards have that quality as well, where they're, they're sort of hypnotic. And I'm wondering like, yeah. do you, like, what do you have to, I guess just, you know, free reign, like what, what, what's the actual, like, do they have a specific, you know, formatting you have to do or like, how do you, if you, you know, as an, as an illustrator, an artist, you want to just paint, paint the image, but is there any, something specific about the construction of the image you have to consider as you're doing it? Yeah. So, uh, especially for the, the trailers more so than the cards, um, generally the cards, uh, I, I feel like, I've, I think I've done cards actually as like, and just sent them in as flattened image. So I don't know if they, uh, maybe it depends on the card that they just, if they animate that themselves later. Mm. Um, but then a lot of times you're just giving them, uh, layered images so you're getting the back the background separate from the character essentially mm. um and especially with the uh, the animations the animatics those you need multiple frames a lot of times you need different elements all separated out um so you're actually giving them a whole document a whole uh photoshop document stacked and layered and kind of organized uh and they take sort of all the different uh, magic effects and uh different floating elements that might be around or, or the different uh, frames or stages of a character. So once once you have all those layers sort of stacked up and you send those in, that's when they can kind of put all the magic together and add the effects, mm-hmm. add the the layering, and um, and then you just kind of get that subtle animation that happens when you have two or three frames for a specific character, and it kind of animates and, and shifts and translates as according to the script and kind of goes along with the whole thing. So mm-hmm. it's really cool to see you're doing all these like kind of pieces, parts to everything. And then to finally see it all come together and uh, add all the effects and the motion. And uh, they'd have some really cool um, uh, 3d programs where they can sort of almost fake, like it's called two and a half D kind of animation. Um, so that's just a, a really cool thing to, to kind of uh, see your work fully fleshed out. Um, it's, it's really pretty awesome. Is there any, any like parts of these animatics or parts of doing the cards, like details that you're especially proud of or, or happy with how they turned out? On my so on the first one on the the Witchwood trailer that I worked on, which was actually my introduction, I I started working on cards after the the, the trailer. Um, the first uh, let's see what 
frame would that have been? The third frame, kind of the two main figures sort of standing there in the woods. That was uh, just a lot of fun to work on. And as I sort of developed, developed that piece, uh, I noticed as we were looking at some of the other artists' uh, work that they had used sort of my characters as sort of the key reference for everybody else. And so that was kind of an honor just to be like having uh, everybody sort of referencing how I created the characters uh, throughout the rest of the uh, of the trailer sort of for continuity. And it was really cool. So that was probably my one highlight that I, I will keep in mind forever. <laughs> that is really cool. Yeah. Wow. Alex, do you have anything else you, uh, any other questions for Dave or thoughts? Other than just like, if you haven't played Hearthstone and I, let me just say, like, I have my issues with it as a game. <laughs> like, I can't, I'm not like Hearthstone fanboy number one or anything. Um, and my main criticism is just that there's a tremendous element of randomness in some cards. And I think Blizzard is aware of that. And I think they promote that because it leads for some really meme-tastic memes. <laughs> um, and I think they want that like hilarity and that press to be associated with their game because um, it is funny and you know people like funny stuff. Um, but as a competitive card player, you know I tend to be pretty competitive with these things. It's it's it can be frustrating to you know not be able to see what's going on under the hood and just assume that this random element is working via fair programming and not via some sort of like algorithm that attempts to make the match equalized um like for example sometimes there will be a case where it's like a 0.0002 chance for something to happen and and they just happen to draw this card this one card that does this one random thing and generate and hits just the right minion that has you know x amount of health left and it can just feel very frustrating sometimes um you know i think that it's generally accepted that games should have around approximately 70% of the game should be skill and 30% should be luck to kind of keep it, I forget where I heard that, but to keep it generally enjoyable, entertaining, challenging, and still give you a feeling of agency. But I think Hearthstone, personally, I think it tends to lean a little bit more like 55% skill, 45% luck, Mm. or maybe maybe 60% skill, 40% luck. I don't know. But, um, you know, if there's anything I would request from this game it's just that the cards become a little bit more predictable and you know they do things 100 percent of the time and not you know some random chance um but with that said if you are interested in getting into hearthstone i would say this is the best time because yeah i mean the the meta is very balanced the gameplay is very fun right now and uh yeah i mean you'll have a lot of cards to get but you drop like the price of a normal game on it then you probably be in a place where you could, you know, make some pretty fun decks and, you know, get, yeah. get some experience. I've been really, I've been really excited for the Boomsday uh, expansion. Um, just thematically, I think it's really awesome. And just even hearing about you guys talk about it. And I, I saw some, some gameplay videos of the sort of the mech building aspect. So um, I keep hearing great things. So I'm going to have to like jump in here and start, start playing away a little bit. It's cool. I mean, even just doing like, you, you mentioned memes and so automatically pinged in my brain like dr boom you know starting off as a as a sort of a meme um in the the world of warcraft kind of universe and so um just i love the quirkiness of that being able to work on kind of an iconic what's now become an iconic character is a lot of fun so i'm definitely gonna have to put a little bit of a investment into, into this game i think 
Yeah, Doctor Boom is like the the number two king of memes next to like Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's cool, man. It, it definitely add me on Battle.net if you start playing. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we'll do. Yeah, that would be really fun. I, I'd love to uh, spectate a game with uh, the two of you playing <laughs> each other. That'd be fun. Yeah, it'd go easy on me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they added it's it's a it's a different game, uh definitely for sure for us to talk about. It's it's very social. Um it is multiplayer. It, it's a card game, so it's, you know, not just a video game. It didn't didn't really start as, you know, a video game, but it's it's based off something that is inherently physical. So, I'm glad we all got to talk about this cuz it seems like Blizzard Blizzard history is all pretty near and dear to us uh, for better or for worse, you know. I think they they all make those kinds of games that um they make the games that you'll fall in love with and then eventually rage quit <laughs> and then you'll fall in love with it again or with another one. So way too much money on way yeah. too much time on. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. I'm pretty <laughs> sure their like master plan is to get everybody to spend like their waking hours playing some sort of blizzard game. Just every, <laughs> every second of every hour. Yeah. They're pretty close. Yeah. I mean, they've pretty much got strategy games, MMOs, card games. Uh, what else? First person shooter. Kind of boba, yeah. Boba, yep. Everything. All the major platform, like all the major genres. Mm-hmm. And like you said, they uh, it is a really good time to play. I, I just read an article today um, that was subtitled "No Nerfs Required" about uh, Boom's Day, where it's they actually mention the only card that they are even considering looking at in rebalancing, but maybe won't is uh, the the one you mentioned earlier, Alex Giggling Inventor. Um, so it's it's one of those games that's always subject to change, but yeah, it seems like right now they're they're pretty happy with where it's at. It's balanced yeah, out. Yeah. yeah, I think the thing with Giggling Inventor is that like you know it's still a minion that's on the board, and it's still you're still able to like interact with it, and it's not like it doesn't. I think like a lot of the cards they've nerfed in the past have are the cards because their whole thing is like we want Hearthstone to be an interactive game. And, sure, uh, fun mm-hmm. and interactive was kind of like their slogan, and. Uh, you know, that's why cards like, you know, the quest for Quest Rogue got nerfed because it was the games played out pretty much the same time every time. And once that quest was complete, you were pretty much done. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's nothing in this expansion that has created like a sort of overpowering uh, deck, you know, like there's no mech mage, there's no jade druid. Yeah, it's it's fairly balanced. I mean, even the Giggling Inventor has really good counters. Um, and people started putting in Mossy Horror and stuff. And uh, I think that's how the game really should be. Like, there should be powerful cards, but they should have obvious counters. You know, that's how, like, the meta works. Um, you, know, you just adapt your deck to the things that you see. As long as the counters exist in the cards, then I think it can be a pretty healthy, you know, meta. So Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I wanted to end on... Uh, something a little bit fun. Uh, I have one combo that I struck on very recently that that I'm pretty pumped about. Um, do you? I'm wondering if you have one as well. Uh, like a new combo maybe that mixes some stuff that was introduced in Witchwood and and got better in uh in Boomsday. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, not really. No, I mean. Nothing that like, comes to the top of my head, anyways. Okay, uh, I'll go with mine because I I mentioned before I wasn't I never play Warrior I never played Warrior in, in World of Warcraft so it it didn't really appeal to me but um, whenever you get the new expansions you get usually a free legendary card so that you start off with the bang and you get something cool that you can play around with or build a deck around with and when I'm, 
when Witchwood came out, I got the Black Howl Gunspire card really early on. And I thought, oh, this is a really cool card. It's a giant tower that shoots cannonballs at things when it gets hit. That's really fun. And like little cannonballs come flying out of the card when it's on the board. And uh, it's got a lot of character and it's very unique, but it can't attack. So it's just stationary. It's just sitting there like a real tower would. And I was both excited and kind of sad when I got it because I thought I have nothing I can combo this with. Um, there's, I felt like it was just like a cool card that I would eventually maybe try. But then they put out a card that I felt had to be really bad, Loose Specimen. Do you know this card? Loose Specimen, no. It's like the giant hybrid like elephant monster thing. That oh yeah 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 it comes it out deals six damage to like your minions or whatever. yeah it, de- it deals a ton of damage to your own board and uh, i had a situation today where i drew both of them and i had my uh black hollow gun spire out and then i dropped this guy and the, the the board on the opponent's side they had this sort of setup that they had very intricately built and it was basically okay if i don't crush their side of the board i'm done next turn and so I dropped this loose specimen and he just started waylaying on my tower and the tower kept throwing cannonballs in reaction onto their entire board for like a solid 30 seconds and just clear the board. And then I was just left with these two like giant monstrous things on the board. Um, Putting the boom in boomsday. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Happy so. accidents. That's, what the, that's how it's all themed, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, uh I can't think of a better note to end on there uh, than a, a good, healthy dose of some puns. So, um, David, sounds like we've sold you on this game. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to study up this weekend and hit you guys up. Yeah, <laughs> maybe uh, Blizzard can like give you some kind of voucher or stipend or something. I do but... have, uh, I do have uh, a handful of cards that should be sitting in my battle that that I have obviously haven't tried yet. So, you know, it's funny they give unique card backs sometimes for people who uh show up at different tournaments or conventions i feel like they should make a card back for artists i agree that'd be awesome if you're listening blizzard (laughs) get this man a card back that's right (laughs) yeah all right well hey uh thanks guys for for joining uh it was really great to talk to you both thanks especially to dave for sharing your experience Um, yeah absolutely thanks for having me really appreciate it yeah all right well with that i think uh, we're gonna head out All right. Thanks, Andy. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yep. See you around. The music in today's episode comes from the official soundtrack to Hearthstone, as well as its latest expansion, The Boomsday Project. Thanks for listening to episode four of Screen Looking, and special thanks again to my guests, Alex Koval and David Kegg. If you'd like to check out David's work online, the first thing you can do is go to artstation.com slash David Kegg, K-E-G-G, that's how you spell his last name. You can also find his work through Twitter and Instagram. You can follow his handle at dkeggart, so that's at D-K-E-G-G art. And while you're at it, if you play Hearthstone, go into your card collection, and even if you don't have the cards, search for Star Aligner, and then also search for Crystallizer, You can see the artwork that he did for both of those cards in the game right now. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd much appreciate leaving a review, whether that's a handful of stars and or a written one, up on iTunes and or the podcast app. So if you have a minute and you could uh, 
leave us some stars. It'd be much appreciated. Help us grow our listenership even further. Thanks again for listening. Uh, We'll be back in October and hope to see you then. Take care.